Bible reading this morning is from Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, let me add my welcome to that given before. For those of you who may not know me, my name's Mal York. Uh, I'm a senior minister here, and it's a real privilege to come and look at God's word with you this morning. Today we continue in our short series on the book of Jonah, the reluctant disciple, as we think through this bigger theme of discipleship throughout the year. Last, work, uh, last week, sorry, we heard that uh, God's word came to Jonah uh, and it was a, a, a message of judgment on Nineveh. But rather than being obedient to God, Jonah took off for Tarshish and went the opposite direction to Nineveh in order to try and escape God's command. Well, on a boat, a massive storm came, and Jonah, at his request, was thrown overboard to spare the lives of the sailors. However, God sent this big fish to come and swallow Jonah him and rescue him. Today, we see inside the big fish, and we listen to a psalm that Jonah composed to God, and we will see that even in the depths of despair... A disciple of Jesus knows that God listens and acts for our salvation. Have you ever had knowledge of something that has helped you through a hard time? I think for me, through this coronavirus, uh, it's one of the hardest aspects of, of living through it. We don't know when it's going to end. We don't know when restrictions are going to be lifted. We don't know when a vaccine might come or if lockdowns will come back in the future. We don't know when we can fully meet back on site. Uh, I think if someone said to me, right, everything will be okay after August the 16th, I think I'd be like, 
Fantastic. I can do it. I can cope till then. But we just don't know, do we? And I think of Jonah in the stomach of a, of a big fish, in and out of consciousness. For him, did he know how long this was going to be for? Did he know that he would be brought through the other side? James Bartley is someone who would have had an understanding of what this was like. In 1891, two whale boats were trying to catch a whale as James Bartley looked on from one of the boats. After the whale was harpooned, it dove down deep and eventually rushed back up to the surface and jumped, smashing the boat that James was on. All but two of the crew were rescued. Eventually, the whale was captured, and when on deck, they saw movement in the whale. They cut it open and found James Bartley in it, who had been in the whale for 15 hours. He was unconscious, he was bleached white by the digestive juices, and was almost blind, nearly lost, nearly having lost all his hair. For two weeks after this episode, he was delirious, and it was a month before he could tell how he'd fallen into the whale's mouth, felt the huge teeth grate over him as he slid down its throat and into the stomach. <laughs> what an experience. I wonder what Jonah would have thought about all of this, having gone through the same thing. Well, today what we'll see is that Jonah's knowledge of God is that he is a God who listens and works for his salvation and this is what gets him through this time of trial. But before we look at God's word, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful uh, witness of uh, Jonah in this book and for the psalm that he penned. And so we pray that as he learns more about you inside the, this big fish, we pray that we will learn from his words about the way that you work and about who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first aspect of this passage that we see is that although Jonah is caught in the depths of despair, his knowledge of God helps him through. Jonah was in real trouble. I think it's really easy for us to read this on a page. Uh, Jonah was thrown overboard into the rough sea and a big fish came and swallowed him. It sounds pretty clinical and almost in a sense romantic. Wouldn't it be nice to be saved in this sort of way? But Jonah was in real trouble and especially before the fish came and swallowed him. When he was thrown overboard, the sea was extremely angry. Jonah fully expected this was God's judgment on him and he would die. Listen to how Jonah describes the experience. If you've got your Bibles open there, look at verse 1. He was distressed. In verse 2, he was in the realm of the dead. In verse 3, the current swirled and the waves and the breakers swept over him. In verse 5, the waters threatened him and the seaweed was wrapped around his neck. In verse 6, he sank and the earth beneath had barred him forever. Jonah knew he was in big trouble. And notice there's this sort of downward movement here. Jonah's going further and further down into this depths of despair. Have you ever found yourself in a similar situation to Jonah? I went on a surf camp many years ago down in Jeringong, uh, and we went down to the beach one day for a swim with the whole of the camp. Uh, the sea was pretty rough, but we decided to go in. Anyway, a few of us got caught in this rip, 
and we started to be pulled further and further away from the shore. It, it was really horrific, not being able to swim back to the safety of the shore behind us. The waves were crashing over us, and some were actually struggling to keep their heads above the water and becoming very, very tired. I was one of those who was caught in this rip, and I felt in real trouble. There's nothing worse than not feeling like you can breathe because you're struggling to just stay afloat. What about you? Have you ever been in the depths of despair? Maybe it's, it was in the surf one time. Maybe it was stress at work. Maybe hardship in a relationship. Maybe financial difficulties or, or health issues. Maybe this current climate of coronavirus has made life even harder for you. A time in your life where you thought, I just can't go on. Maybe this is it. Jonah thought his life was done for. He wasn't just in an awkward situation, was he? But during this time, he drew on what he knew about the Lord. Can you see there in verse 2? I called to the Lord. I called for help. Then again in verse 4, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. And then finally in verse 7, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, rose to your holy temple. You see, friends, Jonah knew the character of God. He knew the promises of God. And he knew that God is a God who listens. He is a God who lives in relationship with his people, who makes himself accessible for his people. He's a God who is living and active and acts in favor of his people. Notice the upward movement as Jonah remembers who God is. His prayer rises up. God brings him up. And so because Jonah knows this, even in the depths of despair, he cries out to God. He prays to God. He turns to God. He turns to the one who he knows can help him. When uh, we were caught in this rip down at the beach in Jerengong, we realized really there was no way out. It was starting to get quite serious. Some people were really struggling. We were waving our hands, but no one was coming to help except for these surfers who were able to glide over the top of the rip and reach down and pick us up and took us into shore. To show how serious it was, two of us had to be taken off to hospital because they were absolutely exhausted. But in the depths of despair we realised there were some who could save us. But it had to be those who weren't caught in the rip. It had to be those who could go across the rip. And you see, friends, this is how God works in times of hardship. Sometimes it's delivering people to their eternal destination. Other times it means help in this life and, and, and teaches us more about who God is and his character. But some, don't they, get so caught up in what they are going through that they forget that God can and does work. It may not always be the result that we desire, and so we need to prepare ourselves the best we can. But to do this, we, we find ourselves and found ourselves on what the Scriptures say. To know the promises of God, so when these challenging times can come, we can rely on what we know about God rather than getting caught up in what we're going through. You see, the second aspect of this passage we see is that God is a God who listens. We see this throughout the letter, that God listened to Jonah. In verse 2, we see that God answered Jonah. He, he heard his cry. In verse 6, God brought Jonah up out of the pit. 
In verse 7, God's prayer rose to God in heaven. He was up there listening in heaven. And most obviously this happened when God sent that big fish to save Jonah from the raging sea. Now it's uh, not the time and place to go into a discussion of what type of fish it was, whether it was a whale or a whale shark or the like. It wouldn't be very productive because we simply don't know. In fact, Tom reminded us last week, didn't he, that it was a bit of a red herring. But what I do want to highlight is that this is what makes God different from all the other so-called gods. He is a God who is a living and active God, who hears and acts upon what he hears. This is so uh, different from the other gods. Jonah calls them worthless idols there in verse 8. Jonah knows that worthless idols do not listen. They cannot listen in the same way that the true and living God does. Uh, If we jumped out of the book of uh, Jonah and went to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah has this beautiful description of what an idol is. Let me uh, read you what it says from verse 9 of Isaiah 44. It says, All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a god and casts an idol which can profit nothing? And he goes on to talk in verses 13 to 17 about how idols can be made out of the same material that we use to light fire and keep warm at night. Let let me read you what he, he concludes here. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. He warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I see fire. But from the rest... He makes a god, his idol, and bows down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, save me, you are my god. And so Isaiah concludes, they know nothing, they understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see. Their minds are closed so they cannot understand. And you see, Jonah knows this. He knows that this is what the idols of the world are like. But the true and living God is so different because he listens. He's active. He, he listens to you and I. He communicates us to us through his word. He has given us all we need to know for this life and salvation. But friends, the question is, do we know this to be true as well? I think that idols or false gods present themselves differently in our society today. Uh, Our society is not like the Indian society, which I think is a bit more like the the day of Jonah, that has a a god on every corner. Uh, In fact, when I'm in India, I'm often driving along and I pass these big uh, idol-making factories that make make their gods and put them under a giant tarpaulin to hold them until people are ready to buy them. Uh, They're fashioned out of human hands, they're they're put into moulds and they're they're stuck there for people to come along and go, oh, I think I'll buy that God, and they pay their money for their gods. I don't think our gods are like that in our society today, aren't they? Yet they're fashioned in the same way. Money that is made out of paper or plastic, or more commonly these days, digits on a screen that can become so easily an idol to us, that we need to chase after, we need more money, and, and, and we idolise our material possessions that give us prestige or standing within the community. We, we seem to assign value to someone who has more material possessions uh, than others. Think of actors who seem to have the weight and the voice in our community because they're wealthy and they're celebrities. 
I find it quite ironic that they speak into areas of ethics and politics when they spend most of their life pretending to be someone that they're not. Or what about another idol in our community, which is sex? We paint an unrealistic picture of sex, an unrealistic expectation that make people want to desire it more and more. And it's emphasised by movies and magazines and advertisements and music and so on, making the fulfilment of our sexual desires the pinnacle of our existence. I know I could go on. Seems we're getting a bit away from the passage, doesn't it? But my point here is this. None of these idols are like the God of the Bible. None of them listen or speak or give us what we need to know for this life and salvation like the true and living God does. None of them can help us when we are in those depths of despair like the God of the Bible can. Jonah proclaims this in verse 8, that people who turn away from God's love and they chase after worthless idols... But it begs the question for us, doesn't it? Are we chasing after these idols in this world rather than chasing after the God who listens and answers and acts for our salvation? For Jonah, this was seen inside the big fish that saved him from the storm, that kept him inside for three days and three nights. But for us, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again, who was in the belly of the grave for three days. But when he rose again, he offered salvation to all who would trust in him. In the end, these useless idols will get us nowhere. But Jesus brings us to the Father and gives us eternal life. Well, friends, my final point for today is this. Jonah responds to God's goodness and grace in saving him in three ways. First, in shouts of grateful praise... Can you see it there in verse 9? The beginning of verse 9, Jonah praises God for who he is and what he's done. It's almost not as if Jonah is just shouting, but he's singing to God. Do you ever do that? You're feeling so great about all that God has done for you that sometimes you might be driving in the car and you just burst into song? I do. Well, maybe not aloud all the time, sometimes in my head. Uh, But this is how Jonah is feeling because of his relationship with God, even though he's in and out of consciousness, not knowing how long it will be in the belly of this fish. He goes on to say he will sacrifice to God. Can you see that in the middle of verse 9? He will make payment for his sin. He recognizes he has done wrong in not following God's command. He has sinned against God and wants to be brought back into a right relationship with him. Does this mean Jonah has learned his lesson? Well, we'll need to see how that plays out in the rest of Jonah. But here he clearly recognises he has done wrong and he needs atonement for his sin. He needs to make a sacrifice for his sin. And finally, we see that at the end of verse 9, he says he will make good what he has vowed. You see, Jonah is a prophet of God. He has vowed to proclaim the word of God to whomever God chooses to send him. And for many years, that was a ministry in the northern kingdom of Israel. And if scholars are correct, it's the same Jonah that is mentioned in 2 Kings 14 verse 25. But as we saw in chapter 1, Jonah ran away from God's word rather than being obedient to it. But now he recognizes he has sinned and he will fulfill his vow. He will make payment for his sin and go on and do the ministry that he's been called to do. Have you ever been given a a wake-up call like this? 
Maybe it was a near miss when you were driving your car. Maybe you've been through an accident and come out the other side. Maybe something just happened in your life that you thought to yourself, I need to change here. I need to stop the way that I'm living and start living more for God, come what may. This is what happened to Jonah. And so he concludes by acknowledging what he knew to be true. But he now knows it in his heart that salvation comes from the Lord. He concludes with this acknowledgement of God, that God works for the salvation of all people. For Jonah, I think this has been a growth experience. The words of the prophet that so easily rolled off the tongue as he walked around the northern kingdom was a head knowledge. He knew that this is what he had to do. But now it's not just theoretical for him, is it? He's actually experienced salvation coming from God. It's gone from being a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. But the big question is, how will this impact his proclamation to Nineveh? Well, you'll have to come back next week or in the week after to find that out. But let me conclude. What can we learn from Jonah chapter 2? What will help us through this time of coronavirus? What can help us even in the depths of despair? We need, to, we need someone, don't we, who's not caught in those depths of despair, that, caught in that hardship. We need, to be, need someone like the surfer who's not caught down by our sin. Someone who in the midst of chaos can calm the winds and the wind and the waves, who has been through the depths of despair and come out the other side in order to show us the way, who is living and active and who listens to us and knows us. We need the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? Salvation belongs to our God, but it is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, this is just the greatest news What can help us through the time of coronavirus? We need the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who spoke to the wind and waves and calmed them in Mark chapter 4, verse 39. The one who gave us the sign of Jonah, but rather than being in the belly of the fish, was buried in the tomb for three days. But when he rose again, gave hope to mankind that even in the darkest moment in our lives, Jesus is there offering hope and salvation to all who would trust in him. Many of you know of my role uh, as a New South Wales ambulance chaplain. And although I'm not doing as much of that now as I settle into my role here at St Andrews, uh, my role has been in the spotlight in the Daily Telegraph over the past few weeks. And for me as a chaplain, my motto is being the presence of God in the depths of despair and pointing to the hope beyond. And people ask me, how do you do that? And friends, the answer is the only way I can do that is because of Jesus because he gives us the hope that we need. He gives us the knowledge of God and the knowledge of his salvation. And it's not just a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge. But it's my hope that you can see in this passage today, as we hear the way that God transforms the life of Jonah, that you too can know this same salvation and have this same hope, even at that point of death. So that it's not just me, but you too can help others when they are at that moment of of despair. That you can point them to the wonderful hope beyond found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful work of Jesus and the salvation that he has won. And that it gives us hope that even in the hardest times we face, 
you listen and you act for our salvation. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will help us to trust in you and know this, not just be a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge, that you are the one who saves. We pray this in Jesus' name.